Hi, I'm a listener from Germany and I've really enjoyed your podcast on my drive to uni every week. I would like to know how you would tackle the issue of a horse pulling their feet away from the farrier. Last time one of my horses uh, pulled away, my farrier accidentally cut her with the hoof knife. Thankfully it was nothing serious, but I would like to prevent this from happening again in the future. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi guys, it's Jill. And obviously, this is the Equine Theory Podcast. And we're off to a different start. Um, and I think this week's episode is going to tie in quite nicely to last week's. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and do that. And then come back to this one. But... Um, the message you heard at the beginning of this episode is actually a listener message. So quickly, if you don't know, if you download the Anchor.fm app and go to the Equine and Theory page, you can actually send me a question or a message and I will listen to it. And if it's a topic that I can um, discuss on the podcast, then I'll include it and maybe talk about it. Um, or you could just send me nice messages. I've gotten some nice ones that make my heart happy, but they're, I'm probably not going to throw them into the episode. Um, but I did just want to say that thank you guys to those of you who have, um, who have sent messages. Um, but this one is a question. So I am going to go ahead and answer this one and I will try to get to the others at some point. Um, but yeah, so the issue is, um, a horse that jerks its feet away from the farrier. So in the last podcast episode, I talked quite extensively about being uh, proactive instead of reactive. Not a phrase I actually used in the podcast, and I really wish that I had. Um, I only thought about it when I was naming the episode. Um, But I think that that is a huge part of our responsibility as horse owners. It was actually something I learned, like a little phrase I learned in a Keystone class um, my freshman year of high school about learning how to handle situations instead of just reacting to them, but being proactive and preventing them and setting them up for success, um, to the best of our ability. And I think that that really applies to horse training. And, um, I talked about that pretty extensively in last week's episode. So I think for this week's, we are just going to, um, focus on this one particular issue to the best of my ability. Um, so obviously throwing it out there, um, if you are unfamiliar with this podcast, 
It is quite the amateur hour podcast. I am not a professional positive reinforcement trainer and have only been doing it for um, about a year now, but I try to stay as educated as I can and um, I will always recommend um, that if you're experiencing some issues to talk to a professional, be the issues um, really strong and dangerous potentially, or if they're just like, hmm, my horse is frustrated or I'm not sure exactly how to ask this question, I would always recommend talking to a professional um, just for your sake and clarity's sake on the horse's end. Um, just helps everybody stay safe and um, more effective that way. But that said, and disclaimer out of the way, I will do my best to answer this question. I do first want to say that I have been sick for the past few days. Um, I got stung by a wasp and have had a delayed uh, full body allergic reaction. Kind of feels like I have the flu, but not actually. So I'm not in the best of health, but I am going to do my best to still do this episode. Um, but anyway, so the issue of a horse. So, um, the message doesn't give all of the context, um, but I think that the context is important. So we need to consider, is the horse being held while the farrier is, um, while the farrier is working, or is the horse tied? Is he cross-tied or is he single-tied? And does the horse know how to react when tied? Um, is there food available? Is the horse able to graze out of a hay net? Or is he just being asked to stand? And um, I think other things that are important to consider are other environmental factors like um, is it very busy? Are there lots of horses running around? Is there a lot of noise? Um, is the horse familiar with the area? And all of these things I think are really important to consider. And if the horse seems uncomfortable by um, or uncomfortable in pretty mundane, relaxed situations, I think that um, it could be potentially the activity itself that may be making the horse uncomfortable. Um, I've actually been spending my afternoon reading Language Signs and Calming Signals by Raquel Dreisma. Not sure on the pronunciation on that one, uh, but it's called Language Signs and Calming Signals of Horses, um, and you can find it on Amazon. I have a, um, an affiliate link to it on my resources page on jeticwithfury.com if you'd like to give me a boost that way, but um, that book has been super, super helpful. Although it's a little bit dry, it is really informative and makes you look at horses very differently, and they did a pretty good segment on um, on that and how horses react to being tied, and um, uh, Raquel um, talked a little bit about her horse's, her horse's experience with um, getting his feet trimmed and watching the um, stress signals and calming signals that occurred while her farrier was working around the horse and I think that those are important to pay attention to in this situation. So I mentioned environmental factors, things that could be potentially stressing the horse, but you need to also be aware of how that um, how that is represented in your horse. So if you think that maybe the situation or the environment is a bit loud and um, or even if it's not and there's no reason that this horse should be stressed um, and you look at it and you don't see anything then there's not really a whole lot you can do but if you are aware and have the information then you can notice more and I feel like that is very vague and possibly a little um, duh but 
a lot of the things that I've read, I've never really paid much attention to and I've always felt more intuitive, but um, I have been learning a little bit about intuition and um, I'm thinking that a lot of what I consider to be intuition has been um, developed throughout experiences. So I'm like, oh, I, I just sense that that horse is nervous, but what's really happening is I've seen a bunch of horses that have been nervous and usually their heads are high, their eyes are wide, their ears are either moving erratically or are out to the side or back um, or even pointed straight forward and they look alert or their tail is very high. Um, but usually it's the signals that are very strong and very obvious. Now I feel like I'm a little more adept um, at reading horses than waiting for them to kick or bolt or any of those things, but um, that doesn't mean that I have been superb at catching them before they happen. So, um, you know, horses can have um, slightly rounded eyes or rounded nostrils, pointed lip, a cupped chin. Um, they can get fidgety or they can have a hind leg cocked and believe it or not, that does not always mean relaxation. If the horse is asleep or standing in the pasture snoozing, obviously a cocked leg doesn't mean that the horse is stressed or panicked or afraid, but in other situations, a cocked leg can mean that the horse is preparing to flee or to defend itself if necessary, or to give a distance increasing signal. So there are lots of different contexts that, um, that make the body language, um, that like, uh, oh, what's the word that make the body language what it is. So you can't, it's not clear to say that a cocked leg is relaxation 24-7 or that it's fear-based 24-7. It's solely dependent on context and it's up to us as horse owners to recognize that context and then do something about it. So it's not enough to simply, I think, um, just be like, oh, well, I want my horse to be comfortable in um, or when he's getting his feet done. Um, I think that we first need to um, think back to the times when the horse has had their feet done and think about their body language. Um, did things slowly start to escalate until um, it just was too much for the horse and it didn't want its foot picked up or it didn't feel safe picking its foot up or it was uncomfortable or it's had a bad experience with that for some reason. I think regardless it stands to say that a horse that's jerking his foot away from the farrier needs some work in that department and you know finding out why isn't always super beneficial like why the horse is responding this way. Um, I think in, in the case of pain, it is really important. Um, but if the horse has had a bad history with farriers, that why doesn't, you can't just say, oh horse, I know that you had a bad experience with farriers. I understand now and that fixes the problem. But pain, pain is a little, that, that one definitely does help. If the horse has like maybe a stiff stifle or is arthritic in his hawk, those things can make it really uncomfortable for the horse to pick up his hoof and, um, make him not want to. So treating those issues or maybe holding the foot lower um, can help with that, but that doesn't always get rid of the anticipation for the pain. So sometimes you may ask for the horse to raise his hoof, but he's anticipating it being held high or it hurting even after you've maybe expelled the pain. Um, so an example, maybe the horse had a cut um, in, his, in his stifle, so when he bent his leg it pinched that cut. Um, 
So now, if the horse hasn't been regularly lifting his stifle, um, we'll just pretend that's a logical example, um, and doesn't know that it's not going to hurt to lift his leg, um, he might still have that um, fearful or uh, pain anticipatory reaction. So I think it's important to um, really work through those issues when you notice a reaction like that. So I think that the first step in um, helping a horse that maybe is a little reactive when they pick up their feet uh, for a farrier is obviously taking the horse outside of the situation. So f like for me, when I have a horse um, that I bring up for the farrier, we take it to the wash rack and cross tie them and um, do their feet there. So an example of um, where I was having a problem was with Zoe. Um, Zoe has always picked up her feet wonderfully for the farrier. She's never been a problem at all, but um, I always had her cross tied. So she would just kind of snooze in the cross ties and when the farriers would approach her, she'd pick up her feet for them. They wouldn't ever have to touch her leg and ask. Um, but when I moved out here, um, they didn't always cross tie the horses. So when I had to hold Zoe for the farrier, she got very antsy and was walking around and sort of bulldozing me. And um, it was not a comfortable situation for anyone. And so uh, once we started cross tying her again, she was much more relaxed because that was the situation she was familiar with. Now that doesn't mean that cross tying is the solution for the bulldozing and uh, like standing farrier problem. Um, just because she stands wonderfully in the cross ties doesn't mean that we get a free pass. I still need to work on that situation because, you know, I'm, I might not always have cross ties um, for when the farrier comes. So she needs to be prepared for that. And that goes back to the proactive instead of reactive. So not just waiting until a problem happens. So, but for Zoe, her history made it a lot easier for her to be comfortable in a cross tie situation uh, for her feet being handled. She knew what was happening and it wasn't that she was restrained and couldn't move. She still could have wiggled and walked all over the place, but she doesn't because she understands because that's, that's how she's always done it. But holding her is different and she didn't know what was coming with that. So um, I think that it's important to recognize that, at least for Zoe. Um, and um, yeah, so anyway, I'm going back to my point with um, usually we bring the horses out of the field and either cross tie them or tie them, bring them into a stall or something like that. So I think the first thing that needs to happen if the horse is having a foot jerking away problem is start in a place where they are very comfortable, where there is low stress, they're either with their buddies or um, relax in their stall near hay and um, start addressing the problem there. So um, the, the goal would be to work out of the super low stress environment that they're very familiar with and then gradually work up into the designated area where they would be, um, be being shod or trimmed. So what you would want to do is start with a training plan um, and if you have to sit down and write it out, I highly advise doing so. Um, but you would start from the lowest stressed environment possible and break down your goal behavior. So list the behavior you want and don't just say horse is good for farrier. What does that mean? Um, you would say horse standing still or standing and grazing from a hay bag um, and 
relaxedly, is that a word? Relaxed, picking up feet in a relaxed manner um, and not being dangerous by um, picking their feet up, holding them up for the farrier for a designated amount of time, allowing um, some poking and prodding uh, in terms of like trimming and um, nailing a few shoes and that sort of thing. So there are lots of components to this one behavior and you have to do it for all four feet. So, oh God, God, see, I'm not doing so hot today. I'm sorry. Um, but you need to break down the behavior. So think about one foot. What do you need to do for that front right? So you need to be able to ask the horse to stand still. So there are endless ways to train this. You can use a stationary target. You can use a stationary um, mat. You can um, teach the horse how to tie or to cross tie. Um, you can use a combination of those, um, etc. And um, then you also need to make sure that your horse knows how to behave around food because uh, I'm predominantly going to be talking about um, teaching this with positive reinforcement. Um, so the horse needs to know how to behave around food and um, then you can start working um, in with them on picking up their feet. So. Um, I think the way that I would perhaps go about breaking this down would be to sit down and write out a list of the behavior I want. So as I mentioned before, all of those criteria um, of standing still, picking up the foot obediently, holding it, and allowing for it to be moved around and kind of um, uh, worked with. So you would need to first be able to um, approach the horse's leg and um, you would need to be able to pet their shoulder and touch every part of their leg um, with them being fully comfortable with that. Um, and then you can um, teach the horse to pick up their leg. And there are many ways to teach a horse to pick up a leg. I know that there is the wait until bump method um, where you kind of hold your hand and free shape it. So whenever the horse um, bumps your hand, then they get a reward. Um, and free shape it that way. Um, and then there's also the negative reinforcement route, the squeezing the chestnut or the tendon until the horse picks up its foot. And um, that's the way that Zoe and 90% of the horses I've worked with have learned to pick up their feet. Um, fortunately for me, I pretty much just walk up to Zoe's foot and lean over and she picks up her hoof. So I rarely have to do that, but um, for a fun experiment sometime, I would like to retrain that using positive reinforcement. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, there are a variety of ways to teach it. And um, as someone who has not worked super hard on that, I'm not very keen to offer a ton of ways to do that. But I know that there are many to be done. Um, the I think that um, the positive reinforcement solution I provided, sort of the free shaping one, I think that could lead to quite a bit of frustration if not done well, and I think would maybe need some more assistance. Um, maybe teaching the horse to target his leg um, to a target um, would be beneficial, but um, again, I would consult a professional because I would need a little more help in that area myself. Um, but then once you've got the horse picking up the foot um, reliably, then you can um, you can either generalize it to all feet um, and then work on duration or work on duration and then generalize to all feet. Um, but I think it's important to remember 
um, a few key steps in how to pick up a horse's leg because I see it happen with farriers all the time and it blows my mind, especially with back legs. They'll pull the leg out away from the body or up too high and it can be really uncomfortable for the horse. And um, uh, it's, it's not always um, intentional, but sometimes it does happen. And when it's uncomfortable for the horse, the horse is like, no, I'm putting my foot down, I'm gonna fall over, or ow, that hurts. And um, that's not an experience you want for the horse. So I think setting them up in advance to where they, um, they know how to pick it up and how to balance themselves and how to be comfortable in that um, makes it a, a whole lot easier um, for your farrier than accidentally getting into this tug of war or awkward situation that's um, uncomfortable for the horse. So if the horse picks it up wonderfully on the first go, the farrier doesn't need to move it around or mess with it a whole lot um, and risk that position. So um, just make sure that the horse is picking it up straight under himself. So, you know, the front legs fold under themselves and the back legs fold the opposite direction so just make sure that you're aware of that and not trying to force any position and um, I would start by asking for very little so when the horse picks up his foot oops sorry about that um, so when the horse picks up his leg um, click and reinforce and then when the horse picks up his leg click and reinforce and um, then you can start to gradually work on duration after you've got a really consistent pickup cue um, I would have the cue pretty well established um, before you start working on duration. And by duration, I mean increasing the time that the horse has his leg held. So you can start by one second and gradually work your way up to 30. And um, however long farriers <laughs> typically hold them, which can be up to a minute or a few minutes, um, you can also use um, the pedestals that they use to put their feet up on um, when they pull it forward. So really just start very small. Ask for a little and reward and then gradually build up your criteria. And remember when you build up your criteria you may have to lower some of the other criteria. So um, you can maybe get the hoof holding for a while but you might get a little bit of fidget and um, maybe don't worry about that so much and then you can gradually work up to being still while holding the foot. Um, but also beware that the fidget could potentially be frustration. So this is again why I'm saying work with a professional because I, I'm not. <laughs> um, and I'm just like, there's a qualifier for everything I say. Um, but yeah, so start small and work up until you have the goal behavior. And it can be really helpful, like I said, to sit down and plan out the training session before you walk out there with your treat bucket in hand. And I know I'm also super bad about doing that but it is really, really helpful to have a clear picture of what you are going to be asking for and know when to stop. You know, you can get a lot done in a 10 to 15 minute session and um, the last thing you wanna do is frustrate the horse and make the experience um, unpleasurable um, because you want them to really enjoy picking their hooves up. Um, so you can work up to duration and make sure that you work on every single hoof and that um, the horse is comfortable picking them all up and holding them. And again, if you're noticing um, that jerk away not start to disappear, or um, I would recommend getting that looked at first, but if um, with the help of the training, the um, jerking away isn't disappearing, I would consult a veterinarian and make sure that um, 
the horse isn't experiencing any pain anywhere, um, especially a lot of older horses or maybe um, ex-race horses can um, experience a lot of problems with arthritis and it can be painful to pick their feet up. So um, if that is an issue, you can always have a conversation with your farrier and be like, hey, look, I think my horse is experiencing some arthritis. So if you could keep um, their foot closer to the ground, I think that they would appreciate that more. And I experience less problems with that. Um, I would really appreciate that. And um, it can always be difficult um, working with, you know, other <laughs> equine professionals, um, especially if they have a differing uh, view than you. But I think it is important to be open and clear in your communication. And if it's still something you're working on, you can always have a conversation with that professional and say, hey, I'm working on this with my horse. This is what I've been doing. These are the steps I'm taking to make this better. Um, are you okay with working with me on that? And <clears throat> sometimes, especially if you're a positive reinforcement trainer, that's going to require some conversation about food. And if they're open to it, maybe you could invite them out to um, experience a session with you once where you're working on these things with your horse so that they can see that your horse isn't all over you mugging you for food all the time and that it's not something that they should be wary of when they're you know working behind your horse so um, I think that that about covers it I mean for a quick recap step one is to sit down and write out your goal behavior what you want from the horse and break it down and break it down into each step working backwards until you have the basic basic most basic is basicest 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 behavior <laughs> and then um, take that and then try to eliminate pain see if your horse is experiencing pain in any of those areas and um, is exhibiting it and maybe their facial expressions or their reaction to having it picked up you can try asking for their foot in um, in different scenarios to see if you get the same reaction um, or maybe if it's just that particular environment that makes them uncomfortable and then you can um, and if it's, if it's purely environmental, the thing you need to do is work on all those behaviors, have them really strong to where you have a horse that will hold all four feet up, um, individually of course, um, for extended periods of time, and then try it in a new location. Maybe not too far from the um, location that they're comfortable with, and then ask. But obviously increase your or decrease your criteria. You don't want to ask um, for five minutes of standing on three legs in an environment that might be scarier to the horse than its than the comfort of its paddock. You'll need to lower the criteria and maybe even just accept that the horse picks his hoof up and then they might click onto the game and go, oh, okay, I get it. And I'm still being asked to do the same thing. I know exactly what to do here. Cool. Let's keep going. And then you can maybe work up your criteria pretty quickly there. Um, but if you notice that the horse is getting nervous and is looking like they're approaching their fear threshold or um, are just uncomfortable, then maybe go back to the original training session and um, work on your cues more and make sure that the horse really understands what you're asking and isn't confused. And um, then you can eventually work up to the area where the horse will be getting shod and then try to incorporate things that um, resemble the 
rasping. I mean, you can tap on the hoof a little bit and click and treat for that for no reaction. And you can move your hand around it like a rasp. And um, there are all sorts of things that you can do to simulate it. And you can, I think the best thing would be to work with your farrier. So once you've worked up to that point where the horse is comfortable holding, you can generalize to another person and um, allow the horse to um, respond to the cues from the farrier as well, not just you. Um, they have to know that the farrier is asking the same thing of them um, because sometimes that can be a little bit tricky, but they need to generalize to other people and um, still understand that they will get reinforced for their behavior. Um, so I think that the best thing to do if you can is to have a conversation with your farrier and work up to that point where they're willing to work with you so that you can keep your horse happy, safe, and um, a, an active participant in their training. And yes, farrier work and hoof work can be training. So I think that that about covers it. And I am sorry if it was all over the place. Earlier today, I could not formulate a sentence because I was in such bad brain fog, but I got a steroid shot today. So I am, your girl is good, <laughs> but uh, it's still a bit all over the place. But I hope that that made some sense and maybe um, gave some ideas about how to handle a problem behavior. Really the biggest thing is just um, recognizing environmental signals, recognizing when your horse is uncomfortable or approaching tension or um, fight or flight, and um, breaking down goal behaviors and working up to the goal behavior from the bottom instead of expecting the goal behavior to be where you start, and um, also eliminating pain to the best of your ability um, and ruling that out because you can't train pain. And also working on generalizing to other people and other environments and making sure your cues are still strong outside of the designated training area. So make everywhere a training area and make everyone a training person. So thank you guys so much for listening to the Equine In Theory podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it gave you a little bit of insight, maybe made you think a little bit. Um, please consult a professional if this is something that you are really struggling with or your horse is maybe potentially dangerous. Um, but hopefully um, this has given some ideas to, um, to those of us that are trying to work on some issues. And um, I hope that you guys enjoyed it. For resources and links to the book that I mentioned earlier, you can go to jetequitheory.com and um, specifically under the tab resources. Um, and yeah, be sure to check us out on Jet Equitheory on other social media platforms. And I will catch you guys next Tuesday. All right. Goodbye.